Hello, welcome to Culture Dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten, and today my co-host is Kaylin Scabaris. Hello, Kaylin. Welcome to the show. I know you, uh, you're a frequent listener, but you're also kind of like a queen of kitsch and uh, kind of pop culture foley's like we are here. So you were great. Parks is uh, Parks is in Spain doing all kinds of debaucherous stuff. So I had to had to find a a worthy replacement. So today's dump is brought to you by James H. Once again, thank you, James, for this one. This is one that I would have never, ever thought of, but it's a perfect dump. Uh, You recognized this stuff before I asked you, though. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember it being sold at the mall. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Much like uh, several of our other dumps. We're a very mall-centric show here. Uh, If it has to do with the mall or if it was ever carried in a mall, chances are we'll talk about it. (laughs) So... We're talking about Thomas Kincaid, the painter of light. And why is that a dump? Well, Thomas Kincaid's artwork has been following you your entire life. It is almost mathematically impossible to live in America and not see Kincaid's work at least once. He's considered to be the most successful commercial painter to have ever lived. And his works are considered timeless pieces of Americana or a lame exercise in high kitsch, depending on who you ask. And at the peak of his success, it was estimated that one in 20 American households had a Kincaid print or product. However, lying beneath the surface was a tortured soul who revolutionized commercial art and ultimately fell victim to his demons. A tragic ending to a seemingly fairy tale life. Thomas Kincaid, when you watch documentaries about him, it's like America's dad. Like, that's what they like. Your dad that like paints as a hobby, like in between woodworking and like teaching you how to be a man. He was pretty basic. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, all, it's like if you're not familiar, his artwork, he's the one that like just imagine a picture, a painting of a cottage. That's Thomas Kincaid. Whatever you just thought of in your head is Thomas Kincaid. It's uh, and and also if you think about like a Christmas calendar, a Hallmark greeting card, like he's done all that stuff. Again, one in twenty households had something of his. Did you ever have like a Kincaid thing? I was gonna text my mom to ask her because I was curious if we had any of that at the house, and so I don't remember anything in our home being a Kincaid. Right. However, I remember my mom liking it. Right. It's a very mom thing to like. It's like the it's the painting equivalent of a quilt that you leave on the couch. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's it. So the man behind the light, Thomas Kincaid, a.k.a. the painter of light, was born January 19th, 1958. He grew up in Placerville, California and lived by all accounts an idealistic, almost Wonder Years esque life. That is, until his parents divorced. In the 1950s and 60s, it was very uncommon for families to split up. Kincaid and his siblings described their life after their father left as odd. While they did all of the things their friends did, there was always the feeling of sticking out like a sore thumb, knowing that they were the only single-parent household that they knew of. And on top of this, money was tight in the Kincaid home. Thomas Kincaid himself described his mother's cooking as often being supplemented by the addition of oatmeal in order to boost the amount of food. He said it wasn't until his late teenage years when he tasted what a real hamburger was like. That's disgusting. <laughs> but like, Oatmeal in the hamburger, you think? Yeah, like, like if you only have like a pound of hamburger meat, you can make two <laughs> pounds by adding a pound of oatmeal, but now you have an oatmeal meat patty. <laughs> it, like, and, um, like when I think of oatmeal, I think of like cinnamon and like cinnamon raisin, like, like I'm thinking like flavored oatmeal. I like that post-divorce his siblings describe their childhood as odd. 
Yeah, they're like, it was just kind of weird. Because, like, I mean, they lived on a street in a house, had bikes, like, all the same kid stuff, but they didn't have a dad, and that was, like, the craziest shit back then. But uh, I also like that, like, when he describes eating a real hamburger for the first time, he's like, oh, no, I don't want a hamburger. They're like, why? They're so good. And then they finally, con- like, his friends convinced him to get one, not realizing that he thought it was going to be half oatmeal. <laughs> but living in L.A., like, I feel like you can go to, like, any, like, vegan spot, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to get an oatmeal burger. A- 75% oats burger. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> disgusting. Uh, but it was the absence of his father that started this yearning for an idealistic life, the type of life portrayed in many of his most popular works. Uh, art scholars, which, goddamn, can you imagine going to art school and, and like learning about art history and then you have to talk about fucking Thomas Kincaid? I'm sure he has his own class. Oh, well, we'll get into that. He had his own school. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, was, it was the whole thing. But in his, like the way his works were analyzed was if he showed, if it's like a painting of a cottage or like a, a nice cobblestone home or something, uh, the lights are always on in the house. And he said that that's because, like, but rarely would you see people in his paintings. And that was because like you could just picture the family in there that he never had sitting by the fire, eating oatmeal hamburgers, you know. So Tom, as he was known to his friends and family, graduated El Dorado High School in 1976. From a very early age, Kincaid showed not only a deep interest in art, but also an impressive level of artistic talent. The Kincaids lived next to renowned painter Glenn Wessels, who eventually acted as a mentor to Kincaid, teaching him not only how to improve his art, but also what it meant to be a man. The way Kincaid in his biopic tells it, it was Wessels who instructed him to paint the light. You must paint the light. That phrase, painter of light, was later trademarked by Kincaid, despite the fact that the phrase was commonly used to describe the painter J.M.W. Turner, who died in 1851. That's your first sign of, like, bullshit. Always when it comes to the dumps, it's the first It's the first sign of somebody almost copying somebody else or being involved. The rip-off. Yeah, that's always going to be a point. Yeah, because you didn't make this up. Like you're you you took it. So already it's like it's I mean it just makes it even more cheesy. You couldn't even come up with your own thing but Painter of Light. I mean, he fucking owned that ship. I mean, literally. Like he legally owned it. So on top of the guiding hand of his artist neighbor, Kincaid also found guidance and inspiration through books about famous painters, where he not only learned more about the craft but also the kind of lifestyles he would want to live. So that's where he's like, "Oh, like Salvador Dali would like get fucked up and like Van Gogh drank absinthe and like, like all of like, but it's not like he's looking at like Andy Warhol or like any like really like kind of like cool artist. He's looking at the most boring. He He did. He actually said, quote, I am the most controversial painter of this era, but it had nothing to do with his artwork. It had to do with his business practices, which is the whole backbone of this dump, but we're not quite there yet. Also worth noting, he was left-handed. So he's like the Jimi Hendrix of bullshit art. (laughs) It's kind of the deal. He really, you know, he stood out there because he thought he was going to make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Uh, and, you know, he, he also, through studying these artists, he was given the mentality that, no, artists get fucked up. Like, that's what they do. They get fucked up. So, like, keep that in mind. Now, Kincaid attended the University of California at Berkeley before transferring to the Pasadena Art Center College of Design, where he studied painting, duh, particularly realistic landscape paintings. The most boring, like, when you go to art school, I'm thinking, like, CalArts, you know, which was in my hometown. And, like, that's where you would go to see, like, a band of, like, six naked guys. And the music is them, like, slapping each other with handfuls of paint. 
Like, you know, like that's what art school is to me. I didn't even know Pasadena had a famous arts college, and I feel really bad for not knowing that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's 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 very uh, highly regarded. But I mean, hey, hey Thomas Kincaid is part I'm of sure your. There's a memorial there with him uh, plastered <laughs> all over it. Yeah, him uh, taking a piss in public, which we'll get to. <laughs> so shortly after graduating, Kincaid and fellow artist James Gurney wrote the popular artist textbook, The Artist Guide to Sketching, which got him enough money to begin putting all of his time into his own art. And originally, Kincaid was an artist for hire, and one of his most notable gigs was illustrating the backgrounds for the 1985 Ralph Bakshi film, Fire and Ice. Have you ever seen any Ralph Bakshi movies? No, I'm very curious to know. He did Fritz the Cat, uh, which is based on R. Crumb, and he did... Mm. Uh, American pop, which is kind of like one family's journey through the uh, landscape of American music, like really like heavy duty. Well, mm-hmm. One is called Wizards, which is the absolute most batshit crazy fucking movie. It's like The Hobbit mixed with Nazis. It's fucking nuts. Uh, but yeah, so and Fire and Ice is very just like barbarians, big tits, like swords. And like. he did it for the check. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he just did the background. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing like the character stuff because he's a background guy. That's He made a whole, you know, fortune off of just doing backgrounds, essentially. So using the funds that he made from the film, as well as his book, Kincaid began focusing solely on painting. A time described by his wife as somewhat of a financial struggle with her carrying the weight of the household as a night shift nurse. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's like... I love the idea of like the woman, you know, supporting the artist husband. But instead of it being like a lame band, he's like, no, this this lighthouse with a Christmas wreath on it. It's going to be something. You just give me a chance. She really believed in him. Yeah, she did. And uh, it fucking paid off in spades. So, you know, however, after several years of contacting galleries, trying to get his stuff out there, he was accepted by Biltmore Galleries, which is kind of a big deal. And he began selling paintings. Now it gets to the cash money fucking Big Daddy Kincaid era uh, that will say, Before we continue, we need to discuss the aesthetic of Kincaid's artwork. Throughout his entire career, Kincaid was criticized by the the world's leading art critics. His subject matter tends to be compromised of cozy cottages, lighthouses, forests, landscapes, castles, anything that's vaguely reminiscent of Christmas shit uh, is essentially his deal. I really think that the Christmas aspect of it is because he probably had, you know, sad Christmases. Yeah. Like, so he's trying to bring it back. You know, it's but, like a turkey dinner, but everything's half oatmeal. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, you know, he probably had his first hungry man at 16 and was surprised <laughs> that there was no oatmeal in that. It's like, but I'm still hungry. <laughs> like afterwards, yeah. Because uh, how do you feed a hungry man? You give him two. That's how you mm-hmm. feed a hungry man with a hungry man. So think Santa's Village. Think a mm-hmm. Hallmark store. Uh, he had many works that were faith-based. Uh, Kincaid was a Christian, and his art was possibly the most Christian-friendly thing since the Bible. Mm-hmm. There is literally nothing anyone can say about his artwork to say that it's, like, bad or, like, risque in any way. Now, did he do any Jesus art? No, but there'd be like crosses and stuff. Mm-hmm. He didn't really do people. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, and if he did, they'd be like very small. Like, he didn't do like portraits or anything like that. It was all like landscape stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he could draw people, though. I watched it. I fucking sat through a grueling 50 mm. minute documentary about him. Just like, everyone's just like, yep. And he's just a really great artist and really nice guy. And like, Tom. The, it, yeah, Tom. Yeah, T H O M, by the Whoa. way. Like the guy from the original Queer Eye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he did interior decorating. I know my shit. But um, like, it, it's just so fucking boring. But 
yeah, they said that, like, like it would show his artwork from when he was a kid, and yeah, he would draw people's faces and stuff, and he was good, but he just found uh, what he was what he was doing. He also said that God was his first male role model, <laughs> <laughs> which like, how do you know that he's a fucking dude, dude? You know, first of all, uh, listen to Ariana Grande, and then also uh, he said that the painting, like his light. His use of light is what he's really known for. Obviously, the fucking painter of light. And it's really, it is really impressive. And when you watch videos of him painting, because he would do live shows. How fucking boring is that? Fucking going to see Thomas Kincaid paint now, live. Now, do you have to pay to say the painter of light in this? Uh, no, I, I fucking <laughs> hope not. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we were able to get away with uh, playing... Uh, you know, Millie Vanilli songs mm-hmm. on an episode. I think we can get away with saying painter of light. And I'm going to say it as many fucking times as possible <laughs> just to spite him. But he said that his talent, uh, you know, it wasn't due to him just being a practice artist, but it was God's guiding hand, which is like on one hand, a very humble thing to say where it's like, Oh no, like I'm not that good. Like God just helps me. But also it's really pompous where it's like, yeah. my hand is God's hand. You know, what is he doing with that hand? Yeah. What's the other hand doing? Yeah. Like while it God is, is guiding the light, the it, other hand, yeah. I think it is really douchey to say that because, then everything that you do is because God willed it. And I'm sure that's the narrative he wanted to tell right. to a bigger audience, I'm sure. Right. There's a lot of Christians in Who this country money. that have money and uh, also that don't have money but just want a nice picture of a cottage to mm-hmm. hang up <laughs> you know, for whatever fucking reason. And I'm sure it was in like church offices and stuff like that. Oh, it's library. Safe, yeah, like, schools. Yeah, a- a- everywhere. Because it was so friendly and it's like, you know – you could put one anywhere and no one's going to have a problem with it. Um, except for it just being like, fuck great. We're in a place with a Kincaid. Like we know exactly what we're in for. I'm uh, sure uh, your family vacations, you were going to places that had Kincaids on those cabin walls. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then you have to share a bed with your fucking brother and like, <laughs> like that's fucking weird. It's, it's a couch. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The pull out couch. Yeah. And dad's snoring. That's a, that's the true experience of a Kincaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, see, Thomas, it's like, dude, dads aren't all they're cracked up to be. Sometimes they make you share a bed with your brother and uh, keep you up with their gross snoring and their burps that fucking are And they're just oatmeal riddling the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got to hit the john after the oatmeal burgers. Uh, he also, you know, he, he met his wife when when he, he was a teen. They're high school sweethearts. Uh, it's the famous bikini story, as she tells it, where he was a paper delivery boy and he was going to collect, like, the payment. And she was getting ready to be picked up by a friend to go swimming. So she's in a bikini. She thinks that her friend's at the door. She opens it up and it's like, wah, wah, wee, wah. Like, look at this hottie in a bikini. And uh, the rest is history. And I'm sure those paintings are in the personal collection. Oh, yeah. In that bikini. Yeah. Thomas Kincaid should have been hired to be the drawing hand in Titanic. That would be brilliant. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, paint paint that shit. So later he would be known as like a chocolate box artist mm-hmm. or a mail artist. Like stamps were, were his whole deal, like greeting cards. He was commissioned by Disney. Uh, he would be commissioned to do portraits of like places like Fenway Park or like, you know, do like big raceways, things idealistic ass, like American shit, like Norman Rockwell, but with no social commentary. Absolutely, that's actually what I was thinking of. Is that I picture it more on greeting cards, more on other types yeah, of things. Just- just shit that mm-hmm. you get and see for two those seconds. Mailers, and throw it. Those things that not come even in a for greeting free. card, like thank you cards that you buy a pack mm-hmm. of like fifty of. That's... That we're at like pick and save. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That and like when you get it, you're like, 
like, oh, like it's the kind of card someone sends you for Christmas and you know there's not going to be any money in it when you see that there's a Kincaid. I would, wouldn't be surprised to think of checks. I bet checks were <laughs> uh, big Kincaid mail-in. I, I, you know he had his mm-hmm. own for sure. Uh, and also he would refer to his paintings as three-second vacations where just for three seconds he could just be whisked away. And to... his wife referred to him as a three-second lover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll give you, hey, you ready for your three-second mm-hmm. vacation, baby? So starting in the early 1990s, Kincaid began to focus on the business side of his artwork, and it was the business side that Kincaid would eventually be predominantly known for. Kincaid realized the power of the print. While selling his original paintings was profitable, Kincaid adopted what we will call the album mentality. And Kincaid described this in interviews where he said, you know, musicians get together and they work really hard on a piece of art, but then they get to sell a million copies of it. Where painters, you just sell the one, and that's why they have so much value. He's like, but... Like, I could probably make way more money if I sell 10,000 prints that I sign as opposed to one painting. And so he starts, like, licensing his shit out, churning out fucking prints. Uh, he began selling the prints outside of a local general store. A mm. general store. Mm-hmm. How fucking wholesome and Thomas Kincaid is that shit? Like, where you, like, scoop peanuts out of a barrel. <laughs> you know? They're like, they have saltwater taffy. Oh, I was going to add that they definitely had saltwater taffy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the taffy so that was his first place that he was selling them. Right. And, like... Placerville, by the way, is a Thomas Kincaid painting. Like, there's like a big water tower, mm-hmm. and like I think the worst thing the kids do there is maybe sneak beer, like it's, and oatmeal. Yeah, and and like everyone's eating oatmeal sandwiches, <laughs> and like yeah, it's it's all like that. Uh, eventually, the QVC network picked him up, Hallmark stores, and finally his own chain of Thomas Kincaid studio galleries that were most commonly found in yes shopping malls. And he would also license out his work for like greeting cards, calendars, quilts, whatever cozy ass shit you could slap a portrait of a cobblestone cottage on. Um, and his prints, when they started making it, they had no money for this shit. So it almost broke them. And one of his high school teachers ended up buying 30 of them just to help him out. Uh, I'm sure like they're worth just as much as they were when he bought them. <laughs> Imagine your high school teacher trying to help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know it's bad of a high school teacher. That's like, the position you're in. Like, uh, what's going on? Exactly. But eventually the business boomed. Uh, also, Cobblestone Cottage, that was a store in my hometown, Santa Clarita, that sold everything we've ever talked about on Culture Note, like Beanie Babies. They sold Kincaids, uh, like Precious Moments. Like, the, uh, Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's on the bottom floor. Right. Well, yeah. no, this was a, it was by the a Target. Okay, because I... Yeah, Kincaid I, Studios was on the bottom floor I of the mall. I actually texted you that that's what I remember, is there was a Kincaid Studios at that mall, and I remember going to it. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> that's <laughs> such a boring fucking place. You know, uh, I went to the Ronald Reagan Library recently. Which I have is like, your framed photo in my house. Oh, yeah. And it's like an incredible museum about the life of, you know, a certainly controversial president. Absolutely. Um, but it's... Like, you know, it's very interesting and it's, you know, it's U.S. history and all that stuff. But if you're a kid, it's like the most boring shit ever. And in one section, they have like his early life and they have the Reagan family coat of arms and some like 12 year old in Crocs and like cargo shorts with like an iPad. It's just like the Reagan coat of arms. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was like the to, most incredible To give you part. a time frame of my remembering that mall and the Thomas Kincaid studio is I was begging to go to Lids to get a little oh biscuit red that, you know, was it the Yankees? Oh, yeah. What yeah. is it, that hat? And instead we went into the Kincaid gallery. I remember when FlexFit hats were getting really big and there was a kiosk that would like embroider whatever mm. you wanted. And my grandparents <laughs> took me to get one and I had them write skate on it, but SK the number eight. 
And like comic sans absolutely you did yeah i hope you still have it i don't it would be very tiny my brother though his is still worth having because he got a trucker hat with the word nugget embroidered (laughs) on it because he loved chicken nuggets so much with ketchup yeah with heinz specifically so moving on this now industrialization of artwork brought kincaid's success never before seen by a painter by the end of the 1990s he was the most successful commercial artist of all time and by 2001 yes it was estimated that one in 20 that means at least one house in a neighborhood had uh, you know one in 20 american homes had a kincaid product however Once the demand grew beyond his personal capabilities, the painter of light implemented a new business model that would cement his position as the most played out artist of all time, as well as the king of kitsch. Uh, It's in 2001 when he called himself the most controversial artist of all time. It brings to mind like... uh, I don't know. I, I I never remember the artist's name, but he did a painting called Piss Christ. It's not even a painting. It's like a photo of a crucifix submerged in piss and his blood, and he was HIV positive. It was like in the 80s. That's controversial. Thomas Kincaid, dude. Like, you're competing with Piss Christ. Yeah, he probably <laughs> thought he was better than Piss Christ because that seems to be his personality is that he's a little bit better. Just more controversial. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, <laughs> that's this guy with a denim shirt with the sleeves rolled up. He looks like, um, uh, who was the sidekick in Home Improvement? Yeah, he does look like him. Yeah, he's got like, you know, that like a, just a denim shirt with the sleeves mm-hmm. rolled up. That's him. And he's like, I'm the most controversial artist. And no, you're not. When no I did one Google like him, I was surprised to see what he physically looked like. He just. He just, looks like his paintings. <laughs> yeah, it looks just like a dad. Just a plain old dad. The dad he never had. Yeah. Uh, so as his print sales continued to soar, Kincaid had another great idea. It was almost Warholian. Kincaid opened a training studio for young artists oh, with boy. whom he would share his secrets of the light. Kincaid would start the base of a painting and then have the students finish them using the, te- the techniques he taught them. Like, much like Andy Warhol, where it's like, okay, here's the design that I made. Now you guys screen print it, you know? And so there's like a factory c- cranking out these Kincaids. It's really shocking. It's really crazy, yeah. And like, no one was really aware of this because mm-hmm. like the people that were buying his art weren't art collectors. So they were like, like they didn't know what a print was versus like what the, like yeah. that's called like an open edition where he like, he leave it open to another artist to finish it. It's very smart marketing, but totally a rip mm-hmm. off. Um, he also sold premium prints, which he would add like a tiny bit of detail himself just to say that he actually painted on them. Um, but yeah, it's very much like Andy Warhol's factory. Um, he also would sign the prints with an extra, like a mixture of uh, ink with like his hair and blood. So if you tested the DNA of the signature, you would see that it was a real Kincaid. It was his way of like, I know that <laughs> artists can do that. It just seems like a serial killer thing. Right. Well, yeah, like, exa- like, but to him, he's not even thinking of it as like, Oh, mm-hmm. this is so edgy. I'm using like blood in my art. I'm, I'm making piss crap. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, no, he's just like, it's, it's literally a way to like, uh, confirm that it, mm-hmm. it, that he did it so as the 90s came to a close Kincaid was about to embark on some of the most daring business ventures of his career the Thomas Kincaid lifestyle brand was established which released several products outside of the traditional prints and greeting cards for instance he had his own line of furniture which was a collaboration with Lazy Boy wow yeah Lazy Boy is a throwback uh, for sure but perhaps the biggest project under the Kincaid brand was what would become known as the village a Thomas Kincaid community that sounds scary it really does what is a scary movie the village that's a horror movie that's a good movie um i wouldn't want to live there at the village kincaid i feel like it's not fun like everyone's barbecuing but no one has a beer well as you spoke he doesn't put a lot of people in his paintings so i imagine that this community didn't have any people (laughs) 
just terrifying. It's like a cult compound. Yeah. But everything looks like a Thomas Kincaid painting. So it's like, I think your house comes with an American flag. I know for a fact you're not allowed to park your cars on the street. So it's just like open. And so every street is picturesque. Um, mm-hmm. But the slogan was, and this is some fucking cult shit. Mm-hmm. Calm, not chaos. Peace, not pressure. Now, do most housing <laughs> developments have taglines? I think they're usually just like, great place to live. Yeah. Like, you know, it's great. not like, calm, not chaos. That's like something like a chick that just got out of rehab would have tattooed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Peace, not pressure. It would just be on the knuckles. Calm, chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Slamming yeah. them together. So the village was an ambitious 101 home community wow. built out. Yeah, that's a lot. Built outside of San Francisco in Vallejo, California. Mm. The entire community was to resemble a Kincaid painting. And it sounds pretty cool. Like I stayed at a, a bed and breakfast mm. in Big Bear where it's like these very Kincaidian like picturesque cabins. But on the inside, they're all themed. And we stayed at one that was like a jungle on the inside. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. That's really impressive. See, I think he would have done better with a resort style place. A resort, yeah, because no one wants to live there 24-7. And it can, that's literally, that's the horror movie, The Village. And you're trapped in a Kincaid painting, <laughs> yeah. and you can't fucking find, and there's no one around. Like, yeah, it's fucking terrible. And it just gets more and, and more And for light. some reason, instead of doing 100 units, they had to do 101, which makes me feel uneasy. <laughs> really. Yeah, it, it's all psychological mm-hmm. shit to keep you control. I bet all those houses came equipped with secret cameras uh-huh. that just fed into the Kincaid fucking compound. Uh, yeah, it's, it's insane. What would it be like to grow up in that shit? Like, your parents would probably make you play stickball. Like, you would just have to do all the most wholesome shit to make I it I imagine work. everything is lit by candlelight, and that's probably the first start. Yeah, but you have to light it at a certain time. It's mm-hmm. like a religion. So the community boasted four different housing plans, each or like, you know, floor plans. Each one was named after the Kincaid children. So there was the Windsor, the Merritt, the Everett, and the Chandler. Uh, imagine that being your name, Everett Merritt. Kincaid. <laughs> Merritt Kincaid. Windsor, dude. Windsor Kincaid. I feel like if I was going to move into one of these houses, I'd probably move into a Windsor or the Chandler. Um, but yeah, this was in 2001. I'd have to see the HOA fees first. Yeah. <laughs> so while the first village was completed, it left home buyers in a state of confusion. The Finnish community resembled your average upper middle class suburban neighborhood rather than a whimsical Kim Cade painting. There weren't like stone bridges and like fairies and stuff. Of course. I'm sure as soon as they went to development, they realized it, they can't do we what can't they do imagined. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? There's no lighthouse. Yeah, <laughs> I- exactly. So, and like, also, what? It can't be Christmas all the time? Like, I, that's just the problem. So, the lights in the cottage, they finally go out. Mm-hmm. The failure of the village was the first of many soon-to-come blows to the Kincaid business and name. The next, and one of the most severe, was a series of lawsuits filed against Thomas Kincaid Studios. The Painter of Light's own chain of franchise galleries were, for the most part, vastly successful, at least when you looked at them as a whole. Individually, totally different story. Uh... Also, worth mentioning, at the peak of the Kincaid Studios, mm-hmm. which was 95 to 2005, there was 350 locations. That's unbelievable. I know. And this guy's just painting. Like, he's, I mean, they did sell real paintings, which is crazy that he did so many. But also, how many did he really do with having, like, a team of people finishing them for him? But just think about 350 franchises. That means there's managers, district managers, employees. There's just. There's, like, a corporate, like, get together. I can't. (laughs) Just boring as fuck. God damn, it sounds so boring. 
There were two franchise owners in particular who felt duped by Kincaid's veil of Christian values that helped to persuade naive franchisees into opening a location in a place where they didn't really stand a chance to do good business. What a fucking sentence that was, Ryan. Jesus, ever hear of a fucking comma? <laughs> uh, also, as the popularity of Kincaid's work began to decline due to the sheer overabundance of exposure, the prices of his paintings dropped, making it even harder for a Kincaid gallery to stay afloat. The owners of the two failed franchises filed a lawsuit against Kincaid Galleries and asked for a whopping $3 million. Eventually, that sum was lowered to $860,000, uh, which the company was unable to pay at the time, which is, I, I'm going to call bullshit on that. You couldn't muster up less than a million dollars, and you're literally raking in over $100 million a year. I don't know what the overhead was. They couldn't find it. Can't be that much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's checking his pocket. He, he, he wish he had a dad to go and ask uh, <laughs> ask for a loan, you know. Uh, the company was unable to pay at the time that that settlement was reached. Uh, because of their inability to pay the settlement, Kincaid's gallery business declared bankruptcy in 2010, just a few months after Kincaid was arrested for a DUI. Oh, boy. Yeah, now we get to, like, the really good part of this mm -hmm. whole thing. Uh, and uh, allegedly what was happening was... Kincaid was allowing these stores to fail in order to drive down the resale value of the franchise, which then he would buy back and then find a new person to rent it out for full price. What so, a scam. Yeah, it's a total fucking scam. And it was it was a reselling scam. Mm -hmm. uh, but what? A DUI? Thomas Kincaid? Yes. The painter of light was also a big drinker of booze. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So while he was able to tether back his consumption during the peak of his popularity, it was in the early 2000s when things began to break down at the Kincaid home. While Kincaid himself was meeting with the Pope and the president and selling millions of dollars worth of art, along with being commissioned by Disney for some of his greatest works, the mounting criticism of his work, along with the business troubles on the gallery front, brought him to the bottle, and he and his wife separated, and now we're at the dump. So, six months after his wife took off, Kincaid began dating a woman named Amy Pinto. It was also during that time that Kincaid's behavior grew erratic. There are no doubt many instances of the painter of light being beyond intoxicated in public, but a few choice examples made their way to the press. It's not crazy for someone like that's really rich to be fucked up in public. I don't think so. We've heard it so many times for yeah. so many different people, a variety of D-list to A-list celebrities. But it's Kincaid, you know? I'm sure the Christians had a lot to say, and I'm sure they made a couple excuses. Yeah, exactly. He actually kept it pretty Christian um, mm -hmm. in his drinking. He only drank uh, red wine, so he was only <laughs> he was just getting fucked up on the blood of Christ. Apparently, his drink of choice was a two hundred dollar bottle of uh, Silver Oak Cabernet, which he would mix with water. I need stretching to stop it out. you. I'm surprised he didn't put an oatmeal. <laughs> I have never heard of anybody watering down red wine. Is that something people do? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And also, like, you're going to spend $200 on a fucking bottle of wine to add water to it. I'm sure that's he like, was getting ble it blessed. That's some, like, creepy, like, predator shit. It, it does sound creepy. It's like, no, it's grape juice. It just tastes a little funny. <laughs> like, I guess if you're chugging it all day, you need a little bit extra hydration. He's got that well, in he's some stretching sort it. of, he's yeah. He's stretching it. That's how he grew up, you know? Like, again, he could have put an oatmeal Ew, and just, like, chewed his booze. <laughs> Do you think post-divorce his children then described their childhood as odd? <laughs> I, no, I think by, I think by the early 2000s, it was like, God, it's so fucked up. Mom and dad are fighting again. Like, there was a Everett. language for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everett and Merritt are like, God, Chandler and Windsor don't even understand. We should look them up on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, please, uh, one of the Kincaid kids, be my uh, sugar, <laughs> sugar, whatever it would Contact be. Contact us. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> so uh, one of, some of the hijinks that were reported, some of them were like long after the fact. Like in 2006, uh, you know, four years before his DUI, he was kicked out of a Siegfried and Roy show, another dump, uh, mm-hmm. you know, little Hopefully. teaser. But um, he was yelling, cod piece, cod piece, <laughs> like until he got removed. See, <laughs> that's an unwell man. <laughs> That is, you yeah. know, everything. Yeah, generally mentally healthy people don't scream cod piece during a magic show. At Vegas, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, but not during Siegfried and Roy. You say that shit for Chris it's Angel. It's really rude. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it is really rude, Caitlin. You're correct. Uh, another, well, speaking of really rude, um, he got caught peeing on a Winnie the Pooh statue at a Disney resort that he was like giving carte blanche at because he was like the of artist course, yeah. doing all of their shit. And he said it was ritualistic territorial marking, like what a dog does. Yeah, that's just. It, but gross. he, but also while he was pissing on the Winnie the Pooh statue, he screamed out, "This one's for you, Walt." <laughs> <laughs> It's just fucking insanity. Um, and the other one, uh, he groped a woman. I mean, obviously, that's going to, yeah. you got to throw that Pooh in there. Who is like, oh no. Yeah, yeah, oh no. Yeah, he can't do anything. Uh, yeah, he the quickly... touching inappropriately, that just, you know, that crosses a line where I'm just like, this guy. Uh, yeah, I feel like if Thomas Kincaid shook my hand, that would be inappropriate. Uh, I just don't want him touching me at all. So in November of 2011, in a drunken stupor, no doubt, Kincaid penned a sloppily written will in which he left $10 million in a mansion to Pinto rather than his wife and kids, who, according to just about everyone he knew, he loved and cared for very much. A handwritten will, particularly one that has not been notarized, is referred to as a holographic will, meaning that while it does exist and it was created by the person it claims to have been written by, it doesn't hold up in court, especially when there are other clear beneficiaries like a wife who he's not mm-hmm. actually divorced from you know they were just legally they were separated. Just separated yeah and his kids uh the note in full also like i'm gonna try and read it in the way it looks because it looks like he wrote it with his right hand again remember from earlier he's left-handed mm-hmm. and yeah he must have had like 15 bottles of watered down 200 dollars <laughs> wine uh i thomas kincaid being of sound mind and body do you hereby bequeath the Abbey Pinto Walsh $10 million in cash <laughs> from my corporate policy? Man, I gave her the house at 16324 and 16342 Ridgecrest Avenue for her security. Thomas Kincaid, November 18th, 2011. It's barely legible. And it signifies by, you know, to experts, is either a forgery or Kincaid being severely inebriated while writing it, which calls the credibility of the document into question. I imagine the R's of that document backwards. <laughs> yeah, he wrote it like it looks like a corn uh, lyric sheet. Yeah, like there. Yeah, <laughs> I- exactly. No, yeah, he was using like, I mean, it's so weird because his paintings are so perfect and picturesque. And then you see his like this handwritten will, a very important document, leaving huge sums of money. And it's like he wrote it with his penis. Like it's it's terrible. Like it, his it's, wand. Yeah, his wand. Yeah. 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 This is the dick of light. So on April 6, 2012. Thomas Kincaid was found dead in his home from an apparent overdose. Wow. Yeah. It was discovered that he had died from a lethal combination of alcohol and Valium. Although some reports claim it was diazepam. I'm going to go with Valium. Seems a little cooler. Uh, don't take pills, folks. He is cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Valium's cool. So, that yeah, Johnny Cash did it. How bad could it be? Uh, the news of his death was widely publicized, but only for a short time. It would be the scandal that followed that would garner the real press coverage. Now, this is like initially it was reported that he died of natural causes because who 
in the fuck that's that rich and that like young, I mean, he's in his fifties would just die of natural causes. That seemed weird. So people were asking, people were questioning. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he was getting in the news for pissing Mm -hmm. on Winnie the Pooh and like (laughs) stuff like that. So it was clear that something was, was going on. I'm glad they noticed. I'm glad it wasn't pushed under the rug. Yeah. And it was, it definitely was considered shocking when people realized like, Oh Mm -hmm. no, he had like a fucking severe drinking and pill problem. And like, it wasn't all uh, cottages and lighthouses and Mm -hmm. fucking Christmas wreaths. So not long after the death of the painter of light came the almost Anna Nicole style legal dispute over the Kincaid fortune. Pinto provided the holographic will and the media pounced on it. The fact that the most wholesome figure in art history not only died from booze and pills, but also had a girlfriend who was trying to claim his estate over his wife and children was too much for news outlets to resist. And it was a long drawn out thing. Nanette Kincaid, his wife settled out of court with Pinto, which is such a slap in the face where it's like, okay, I have to give you something, even though you were with him for like months you know what i mean it's like it's so fucked up and we know he was drinking at home behind the scenes look at that letter if you see what this letter looks like Mm -hmm. i'll post a picture of it on on uh patreon but like it's fucking crazy but also i feel like pinto was just like you know how many nights i had to like hold back his crew cut while he threw up in the fucking cobblestone toilet in the cottage (laughs) you know what i mean i earned that shit like you know how many times i had to fucking take him talk him down from the lighthouse that's like no doubt in his backyard or whatever fucking wholesome Do you think they had their own art in the house mm. absolutely yeah totally i think he probably like saved the good stuff for himself <laughs> <laughs> the good stuff yeah yeah but the story wasn't over shortly after the announcement of kincaid's death the big wigs of kincaid's company mm-hmm. that were in charge of the hundreds of galleries he owned began urging the franchises to order as many pieces as they could Jesus since Christ. i know since the original works, signed prints, and all other pieces from Kid and Kate himself were now extremely limited because he was dead. So the problem with this was that so many of the or so much of the gallery's business was based on prints or open editions, where Kincaid would add a finishing touch to a painting done by someone else, or like add his own touches mm-hmm. to a print. Uh, he would also start a painting and have the trained artist finish them. We discussed that. And according to several Kincaid franchise owners, they were told that a treasure trove of unreleased and mostly unfinished works were found in a vault and they were going to have artists finish them. But what ended up happening is computers were used to highlight the paintings and the vault collection was nothing more than glorified prints, many of which didn't have an actual signature because they were it was made up. And in 2015, NetPoint Capital's art brand studios purchased the Thomas Kincaid company and immediately the owners issued a minimum base price list for the franchises to follow, which drove up the prices of in-store pieces while the company sold the same works online for way less. And that was in an effort to bankrupt the stores and have them close. So everything could be online. It's really terrible to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fucked up. And you know, like, and that's, that's where it ends. I mean, Mm -hmm. like Kincaid is still a household name, still vastly popular. Disney still puts out all the, all of his shit. It's, it's very well-known shit still. Mm -hmm. Um, And before we tell you what it all means, it is worth mentioning that Thomas Kincaid's work is definitely worth some respect. It's part of the mosaic that makes up the true Americana aesthetic. Uh, He also donated millions upon millions of dollars to charities, not just in money, but in paintings that were auctioned off as well. Like he, he was wholesome. He just had a problem with uh, booze and pills and uh, eating well, oatmeal burgers. They always try to hide that side of them. You know, these artists or these right. people who get some sort of fame. They don't want to be seen as anything other than perfect. And this is what happens. He gets he pisses on Winnie the Pooh. Right. But I think what happened with him, it was kind of the reverse because mm-hmm. everyone knew him as so wholesome that mm-hmm. when something happened, like that's what 
everyone latched on Mm -hmm. as like the lasting legacy. And like, also he, I mean, he just had such a bad rap by putting his shit out there so much. One in 20 houses had something like that'd be like, if he was like making toilet paper, like how many, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is pretty intense. Yeah. So what does it all mean? Well, I guess it means that artists will be artists. The Mm -hmm. talented are often tortured. And in the case of Thomas Kincaid, the fact that there is any controversy surrounding him at all is insane. While his stuff is kitschy, boring, completely overproduced, and just kind of whack, it's also beautiful and in many ways important. All he wanted to do was make art that would take you away just for a moment to a place that only exists in the most beautiful dreams of what life should be. He is a dump because he passes the culture dumps alien test, which is when we say, you know, what we would use to teach aliens about the world. So if an alien came down and was like, what is a painting? I would show him a Thomas Kincaid. That's like the best example of a painting. I think that's exactly right. I really hope to see a UFO just lined with Kincaid work. Come down and <laughs> this take is the highest uh, <laughs> achievement in America. Yeah. Yeah, in no, to find out that the aliens were one of the franchise owners and they're just stuck with the inventory. And they that's just, a show. You know, Do you remember that yeah. show Alien? Where like like aliens lived among humans they had bald heads with spots uh-huh. on them and like they had like normal jobs like the fact that they were alien literally had nothing to do uh-huh. with the show they just looked different and they worked at a Kincaid gallery yeah, yeah. like I feel like if like the cone heads came down to earth they're like what uh-huh. business should we have oh a Kincaid like and they would open up a Kincaid gallery exactly so you know, yeah, you'd show them a Kincaid, maybe the one of Fenway Park, maybe the Christmas Cottage, or maybe as many Disney-themed works. But either way, you can't really go wrong with a Kincaid, but you can also go wrong with every Kincaid. And that's what it means to me. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, you scroll down, you just give us a five-star review, nothing less, <laughs> only more. That really helps us out. Make sure you sign up to our Patreon for exclusive content, bonus episodes. I'll post the documentary about Kincaid on there if you are so, uh, you know, get your 200 bottle of water down wine <laughs> and, you know, settle in for the evening, watch some guy paint. Yeah, settle in and water it down. Yeah. And I, I did <laughs> Watering wanna, it down is very Kincaidian. It's it's so bizarre. I did want to add, you know, cottage core is super popular right oh, now. Yeah. And just, you know, Kincaid being maybe the uh you know, the start of cottage core culture. I'm surprised like Phoebe Bridges doesn't use <laughs> like a Kincaid for like her next album art. It you know, it could go. Yeah. No, yeah, it, it'd be huge. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Kincaid's doing like merch tease yeah. now. Yeah. Co- he actually Thomas quit. Kincaid X something. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Kincaid or like Kincaid X Forever 21. I feel like like all these streetwear companies that do like license like like yeah. Supreme will do like a Supreme slash Kincaid like thing. I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly. Well, thank you Kaylin thank for you, coming Ryan. on the show. Uh we'll be back next week with another dump, so keep on dumping.